The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny, Sestina, and company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm debt. so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Good evening. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy. I am your host tonight, Spencer Hager. With me, Tony Payne. We are both certified financial planners. And then also alongside us, Eli Lilalutha. How are we doing tonight, guys? <laughs> Not even going to say close. Lisa Lusa, but good try, Spencer. <laughs> I, I knew I was in the wrong chair. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Lee Toulouse, how are you tonight? I'm doing well. I'm enjoying the extra daylight we're having, so a lot better. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Awesome. There we go. Awesome. Tony, how are you doing? I'm well. It's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Awesome. Well, tonight we have a pretty good show. We're going to talk a little bit about some current events. Happens to be coincidence. It's going to include some taxes, but we're going to try and make it fun try and focus on some ways to save taxes we'll see what else comes up along the way so i'm not sure if we saw the headline gentlemen but the deadline date for taxes got pushed out a little bit a lot of people had a little bit of a sigh of, re- sigh of relief when they saw that yeah, it went out to may 17th that's without filing an extension but that's pretty neat i mean again for all the changes that have come about some of the retroactive changes that were part of the recent bill that passed mm-hmm. a lot of good reasons perhaps to give people a little extra time to get everything together try to understand what's going on let alone let the accountants understand what's going on that's what i was going to say i mean i know most years it feels like we're flying by the seat of our pants a little bit trying to get taxes taken care of you talk to the accountants a lot of them are always swamped they're they're really busy but this year felt like somehow even an exception to the rule and that deadline only applies to the federal part so we still have state deadlines that will apply depending on your state so you've got to be mindful of that and the other part is estimated quarterly payments Mm -hmm. those are still due on time that time being april 15th (laughs) yeah no rest for the wicked absolutely so that's the big one. So taxes, federal side game pushed out a little bit, but we'll we'll take a step away from that. And I thought a fun thing to start off the show with would just be given a little bit of history about taxes, right? Twenty twenty one. I think we're also used to just the ups and downs of the income tax rate. A lot of people have forgotten about you know how recent income taxes really are. So. Tony, I, I know you're a man of history, so I won't pick on you to start. Eli, any idea when the federal income tax first popped up, or at least how we know it today? So, interestingly enough, taxes were actually imposed. The estate tax was um, funded back in, I forget, 1817, I believe it was, to fund the U.S. Navy. But to answer you directly, Spencer, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I think it was actually 1796, and they did away with it for a bit. But you are right, it was for the Navy. So really, it came back around World War One, about 1913. And get this, the lowest marginal bracket back in the day. Yeah. 1% from 0 to $20,000. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, all the way up to the top bracket was 7%. Wow, a whole 7%? Those greedy buggers. (laughs) $500,000 and up. Wow, wow. Yeah. 
These are these are neat things. Again, that's what John would t- t- talk about a lot here, creeping in, mm-hmm. creeping up. So when it was first passed, remember, it was temporary. It was a temporary tax to pay for World War One. Absolutely. This was not meant to be a permanent tax to fund government forever. Yeah, and this feels like a shameful one to not have John on, but same deal, pretty straightforward, the Social Security tax, right? That one came on with the New Deal in the 1930s, I think it was 35, and same deal, meant to be temporary, wasn't supposed to be long-lasting and forever, but you look at the pay stub, and it is definitely not 7% on the federal anymore, and it's that Social Security is still there. One thing I found interesting in that, too, with Social Security, they passed the law in 35 Mm -hmm. they started collecting the taxes in 37 Mm -hmm. they didn't start paying out benefits until 40 didn't that seem like the reverse of how they do it nowadays give you the goodies up front and then pay for it later i mean this was pretty interesting that they (laughs) actually had to pay for it yeah novel concept yeah exactly You said the quiet part out loud, Tony. (laughs) (laughs) I do that on occasion. Yeah. Oh, but it's interesting. I mean, and then so many other taxes, and we're going to get into each one tonight, whether it's capital gains taxes, the estate taxes, really a lot of these, as far as long-lasting, you know, sticking around as taxes, really started creeping up in the 1900s, early into the mid-1900s, and now we just kind of all accept it for what it is, and interesting. Yeah, no, you're, I mean, again, history is important. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Not every state even had a state income tax. I mean, there was a long time period where not every state had one, and then slowly a couple trickled in, a couple more trickled in. Then the idea of a sales tax trickled in. Mm-hmm. So you just see them piling up here over time, where, again, if you know the history here, it didn't, it wasn't always this way where you were taxed seemingly heavily, heavily, heavily on almost everything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But enough about the history. Now we can start to talk a little bit into the future. So I know if you've been watching the news, looking at the headlines, a big reason outside of the deadline getting pushed out a little bit, a big reason people are talking about taxes, not to get political, but we do have a new administration. Happens every time. There are some talks of switching up the tax codes. But before we get into that too much, I kind of want to just start off with a basic look at taxes. So Really, when you think about it, guys, there's three main types of income taxes or just taxes in general we have to deal with, right? There's the taxes on what you earn. That's the income tax, whether it's federal, state, local. Okay. You've got the taxes on what you buy. So you said it, Tony. That's the sales tax. Other things can come into the mix. You could kind of lump in capital gains tax with that. And then the taxes on what you own, that's like the property taxes. That's probably the easy one to think of. Yeah. So really, when you start to think about those, all those different taxes that come into play, that immediately gets me thinking how we can try and reduce the tax bill, if at all possible, with those. Hold on, hold on. I've, I've got to go back here. I'm sorry. <laughs> so you're going to tax me when I go to work, the income tax. Mm-hmm. You're going to tax me when I'm off of work and I spend money, the sales tax. Mm-hmm. And you're going to buy tax. I'm sorry. You're going to tax me. While I'm asleep on what I own (laughs) with the property tax. So effectively, I am paying taxes from noon till night, day on and day on. Is that correct, Spencer? That's exactly right. All right, I just wanted to understand that. Say it out loud. You forgot the last part. You know, depending on how much money you end up earning in your lifetime, they're going to tax you out the door, too. So when you're permanently asleep, they'll hit you with the estate tax. (laughs) (laughs) Can't forget that one. Give Uncle Sam one more goodbye. Exactly. I'm getting it from both sides today. (laughs) All right, thanks, guys. That's exactly it. So so that's really the main ones when you think about the taxes. So 
really, I think before we get into the, the talks of what's going to change, let's get a good feel for the current taxes. So when you think about the current income taxes, right, on the federal, the top of the top of the list is 37%. That's if you're earning a little over 600 grand. We'll use round numbers. Capital gains tax, it can vary anywhere from about 0% to 20%. And then property taxes depends, things like that. So Tony, I'm going to kick it to you first. When we start to think about ways to maybe try and mitigate the tax bill, what comes to mind for you? Well, I mean, again, back to what I was just joking about there. <laughs> I mean, income, if you can manage your income, that's a way to manage taxes. And that doesn't mean just don't go to work. That means, is there a way that I might defer this somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Is there something I might do better with this money that's favored? So that's the first thing that comes to mind. That's a good one. And another quick one, Let's we can wrap with this because we're coming up on a break. The difference between a tax deduction and a tax credit. Right. Eli, walk them through what the difference between that is. Yeah. So essentially a tax deduction reduces your taxable income, while a tax credit, on the other hand, reduces your tax liability. And I know that we're coming up on a break, so maybe we jump back into that when we come back. Yep, exactly. It's a pretty fundamental concept, but we're going to really deep dive that in the next segment, but always want to make sure we're all on the same page. So uh, this segment, just talking a little bit about taxes. Next one, we're going to gear up a little bit more on how to mitigate the tax bill, and then we'll move into what may change in the future. So stick around for the next break. We're just getting started. Uh, You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy. Once again, I am your host for the evening, Spencer Hager. With me tonight, Tony Payne. Both of us are certified financial planners. Eli's with us as well, and he's also working towards the certified financial planner position. So last one, a segment, we talked a lot about just the basic landscape for the tax environment, right? This one, we really want to deep dive how to get around taxes, not get around. That sounds, well, I know Tony's Whoa. the yeah, compliance, yeah, yeah, the compliance yeah, yeah, brain, yeah, but the hair's just standing up how, here. To, how to negotiate how much you pay in taxes. Yeah, there you go. That's the way to talk about it. So we'll start off with kind of the fundamentals where my mind always goes to is just the 401k, right? What do you have through work? Or if you're self-employed, what do you have set up for yourself that you can maybe defer a little bit towards retirement, get a tax deduction to do that, right? So that's the first one. 401k, if you work for a different employer, say government position, a school, uh, then it could be something like a 403b. You could put in a little bit of money there, offset the income. That's one way to negotiate the tax bill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What you're doing is where we ended off last segment, the idea of your income may be negotiable. Mm -hmm. And the way the tax system works, there's certain buckets, and you were just listing off a few of them, Mm -hmm. but these are the tax-favored buckets where if we put money in these buckets, it's going to be favored to us. We're Mm -hmm. not going to pay taxes necessarily immediately on that or possibly at all, depending on what type of bucket it was. And then the other benefit here is once it's in that bucket, and that's, I'll just keep calling it a bucket because mm-hmm. it depends on your plan, what bucket you might have available, but once it's in there, it can grow. And that's the part that I think people underwhelm sometimes because we think about, well, I'll still pay taxes on it. I'll still pay taxes. That may be true, 
but the whole time all along the way that that compound interest is working for you that's working without taxes in the picture right then and that's a neat thing and that becomes very powerful over a long period of time so that's the other benefit of negotiating your taxes is you're actually going to be able to accelerate your growth sometimes absolutely yeah, absolutely. So that's those are kind of sometimes the basics. We spent a lot of shows talking about it, right? How much do you put into the 401k or the 43b or if you're one of the lucky individuals out there, you've got a health savings account, the HSA. That's one of them as well. And if you're really one of the high income earners, you may even have something like a deferred comp plan, a 457. I don't want to get too much into the numbers. But that's kind of an easy one, right? That's just on more of the income side of things. So if we want to spin it on maybe something you own or other ways to get around things uh, or negotiate things. Yeah, yeah, negotiate. Right? Exactly. Negotiate, yeah, we can take it back to the deductions, right? So everyone on the tax returns, I think we're all relatively familiar, you either take the standard deduction or you itemize, right? So the itemized deductions, that's going to be comprised of the state and local income taxes, property tax can go in there, mortgage interest, that's a big one. The big X factor, though, for a lot of people we get caught up talking about is the charitable giving. Definitely. That's mm. a big one. Absolutely. So when you think about it, you know, the income taxes, that, that kind of is what it is. That's driven by the income. The mortgage interest depends on the terms you can get. But really, when you get into the charitable giving, a lot of people give to charity, whether it's tithing to a church or just food bank, you name it. There's a lot of different creative strategies you can get into with the charitable giving. So a big popular one could be instead of maybe gifting cash, we gift appreciated stock. And that's kind of two different things, right? If you gift appreciated stock, you're not paying taxes on the appreciation. That's beautiful. And if you do enough of it, maybe you get out of the standard deduction realm and you can start taking the itemized deductions. So I'm doing the same thing for that group I wanted to help mm -hmm. as if I took the money out of my paycheck or as opposed to selling the thing that I owned, then giving them the money, maybe not even tracking it, if I follow all the rules and I document it and I do the right things here, the magnification of what you give becomes so much bigger. It's an awesome thing. Again, think of the core of why you're giving. You wanted to help something. You wanted to grow something. Mm -hmm. You get to do it better and faster with a little bit of planning added on. So what you're talking about, Spencer, is so key, especially for those who are driven to give and very charitably inclined. Because if you do it better, you can do more of it. And Eli, I know you're over there. As we remind our listeners, and, and me sometimes, <laughs> what is the benefit of a deduction? So the deduction, as I was hinting at earlier, there's two types. Spencer said it. There's the standard and the itemized. What this does, it reduces your tax taxable income. So when you go through the 1040, you report your income, distributions from IRAs, annuities, pensions, and then you get to the deduction part. So Excellent. essentially it reduces your taxable income. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, that's Good exactly expense. it. Yeah, and I was going to say, just to wrap up with the charitable giving, a big popular one that I've gotten into is, so we've talked about on the show before, I just said it, when you gift appreciated stock, right, you can gift it to what's called a donor advised fund. And the cool thing about doing that is, say I gift $10,000 worth of stock to a donor-advised fund. I get the tax deduction for that full $10,000 the year I gave it, but that doesn't mean I have to just dole out the $10,000 to charity that year. So what you could do is you could even give your normal amount of cash to charity, say it's five grand, 
gift appreciated stock of 10 grand in the same year, maybe that pushes you into the itemized deduction range. And then you can just take the $10,000 worth of stock and divvy it out the next two years. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down there. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of strategy. That's a lot of planning. <laughs> uh, let me, uh, and again, I, I'm just going to cut to the meat of it. What's the sizzle there? If I go ahead and do all of that, let's say I do do that. Mm -hmm. What's the benefit? Is that a percentage of the taxes I pay? Is that a dollar amount? What What becomes the benefit by doing that? the giving that you're talking about yeah so it's twofold right it's giving the same it's giving to charity the same amount but just switching up the way we do it right so standard deduction for example in 2021 is going to be twenty five thousand dollars twenty five thousand one hundred dollars okay. right so say between the income taxes plus mortgage interest plus your normal five thousand dollars worth of charitable giving you land at twenty thousand therefore sorry you didn't cut it just going to take the standard this year. Yep. Following with me so far? Yep. So if we did it, the strategy I was mentioning, then instead of 5000 we gave fifteen because we gifted some stock. Now all of a sudden we're up to 30000 Now we're taking an itemized deduction. And then the next two years you still take the same old standard deduction, but you just give with the appreciated stock. All right. I tracked along with you there. There you go. <laughs> That's pretty neat though. Again, this is why we want to help people because there are so many ins and outs of the tax code. It's a living, breathing thing. You could stack it up on end and it almost goes to the moon. The idea that we don't deal with this every day as an individual typically. That's why there's experts out there because when you do this stuff, if you do it better, again, you're going to help more. You're going to get more. You'll have more control. And that's what I've said before too, and that's kind of what we're getting at. Sometimes when we talk about these strategies, it does almost sound bizarre, maybe seems too good to be true, but that's really when you think about managing the tax picture, it's just about finding efficiencies. You know, We're not skirting the system. It's just doing the same things, but a little bit different. And it can really make a big difference. And that's another big reason we brought this up today is, you know, taxes come into the headlines. Everyone starts talking about it. But ideally, we should always try and be as aware of the current tax picture all the time, not just waiting for the big headlines to start looking into it, right? Yeah, exactly. And there's all kinds out there, and there's a lot of research to be done. Absolutely. So another big one that we probably can't get into too much on this segment, but we'll branch into it on the next one. The idea of just starting a business with a side hustle. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I like that one. Tony's ears just perked we'll up in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, but that's probably the biggest flexibility you have when it comes to managing the tax piece. If you can find a way to start up a business, something like that, it opens up a whole world of opportunities. So we'll get into that a little bit more in the next picture and then we'll jump into some of the new changes people are talking about. So please stick around. We're just getting started. Uh, you're listening to Managing to be wealthy on 610 WTVN. All right, welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. Third time, I'm your host, Spencer Hager. With me tonight, Tony Payne. We are both certified financial planners. Alongside us tonight, Elijah Lee Toulousa, also working towards getting that CFP as well. 
So we're trying to keep it fun and exciting. We're talking about taxes, but now let's get into the, the meat of it. So we'll wrap up talking about some mitigation strategies with the current tax environment, and then we're going to dive into what's making the headlines. So when we wrapped up the last segment, we were talking about a good tax planning opportunity that pretty much never gets old is if you can take a side hustle or something you just enjoy doing, find a way to make it into a business. And the reason behind that is it can open up a lot of different tax strategies, things that can maybe help you as opposed to the normal W-2 wage earner. They're a little bit limited sometimes to what they got. So Tony, I'll pick on you, my friend. We're talking about some tax efficiencies. What do you think of when we talk about benefits of being a business owner and taxes? Um, many, many. <laughs> I mean, really, again, the idea is control. Uh, it's a word I use a lot on this show and I will continue to use because that's really what good planning does. And when you think about that HR department at work, mm -hmm. if there even is one, what are they looking at? Who's making the decisions about what things to buy or offer to you as benefits? Well, that's a little different than if you're the business owner. You truly are the HR department. Mm -hmm. That can be a little scary sometimes. But when you think about what are the benefits I need to put together for me, for my staff, for my future staff, you get a lot more control there. And again, from the tax point of view, you can set up things like retirement plans, incentivize yourself to save. Perhaps your other employer doesn't do that. Or be able to go ahead and take advantage of things like, I think the business needs this tool. I'm going to buy this tool so I can do better. I mean, there's nothing worse than working for someone else, being given a tool that doesn't really work, and now you can actually do what you enjoy, hopefully, that business, and then use great tools to do it, and you're not punished for going out and getting the best things to do your job. I mean, you certainly have to pay the money for them, but as opposed to just buying it like it's a hobby or something, you're able to utilize that tool, really do the best you can do. Exactly. And what you're getting at, too, is the idea of buying that tool for something you enjoy. Maybe you're expensing. I mean, it's an expense. You're expensing against the business. So it's just, once again, it's the idea of efficiency. So it's just using the system, using what you're already doing, finding a way to maybe find a, a tax efficiency out of it. So that's really the last big one I think we want to wrap up. Any final thoughts on that before we jump to the headlines? Well, I mean, again, back to owning a business, because it is. It's so much more than the tax stuff. But when you think about owning a business, what are some of the pitfalls that come in if you've been successful? They can also be on the tax side. So if you're thinking about exiting your business, mm -hmm. that can be a, a, the biggest tax discussion of your life. So there's many things to begin the process there well in advance of hey, I think I'm going to get rid of the business. That is something that takes a 15, 10-year process sometimes to really develop who should take over. How are they going to pay for it? What's the best way? Because the right people may not have the right profile to buy it or be able to afford it. But if you look at that stuff ahead of time, you can really strategize your exit, perhaps phase it, do other tax techniques with your advisors so that when you finally exit, you're minimizing the cut that goes to Uncle Sam. You're maximizing the cut that goes to you and your family. So that's another part of this tax stuff we didn't talk about too much, mm -hmm. but that's the other side as a business owner that if you really want that legacy there, perhaps it is something you want to pass along. Keep that in mind. That's another reason why advisors like us are out there, because when we go through this stuff, it's so important. Couldn't agree more. I'm really glad you brought that up, Tony. So that's that's a big point about the businesses. We'll move away a little bit from the mitigation side of things. So let's let's get to the big headlines. So 
pretty much if you're watching any news source, there's talks about some potential tax hikes. Probably not in 2021, but it's already on everyone's radar. A lot of this probably isn't going to come into effect until 2022, just being fully transparent. But the first one is on the personal side of things. Everyone's talking about if you earn more than $200,000 as an individual, $400,000 as a household, could be looking at a little bit of a tax bump. And then the other big one talks about bumping up that corporate tax rate from 21% to 28%. We can kind of take it one at a time. I don't want to go through a list of seven or eight changes, right? We'll get caught up in the weeds. But, I mean, let's start with the corporate tax rate. I think that's the one that interests me the most. So, Tony, in your opinion, when corporate taxes go up, do you think that ever gets passed on to consumers in any way? Or is that all just... Is gravity a thing, Spencer? <laughs> <laughs> if, if I drop this, will it hit the ground? I, that's, I'm sorry, I'm making a joke, but that's the way I feel about it, certainly. Yeah. I mean, corporations are not there to just take money out of the sky. They're there to make money, and when they make money, they pass along costs, their underlying costs, so that they make their margin. Mm -hmm. So effectively, yes, when you see the higher tax, higher costs, whatever it is, of corporations, they pass that right along. Absolutely. And their margins are going to stay their margins. Typically, they work on a percentage. They're going to do what it takes to hit that percentage. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, the gravity analogy, that's, that's a good one. <laughs> so that's a big one with the corporations. And so to add a little bit more context to the marginal tax rate, I kind of just hit a drive-by there, right? It could go up to 39.6% if you're one of the people or one of the households earning above 200000 or 400000 for a household. So to put some context to that, if you're already in the current top marginal bracket, which is higher than 400000 just an FYI, it could be as little as a, about a 3% bump, could be as high as a little bit higher than 5%, right? So it's not a small bump. And then the other big one they're talking about is switching up the capital gains environment. I know I was <laughs> Tony's in the studio giving a little bit of a yeah, grin slash yeah. grimace, but... Uh, that's a big one, too. They're talking about if you earn over a million dollars, the idea that all of a sudden capital gains treatment goes out the window, it's ordinary income tax. Part of this is that you, we see it in the Tesla laboratory that is California. <laughs> I mean, they've done that. At the state income tax level, there is no such thing as capital gains taxes. Mm -hmm. And we see the exodus that's happening. And it is happening at the higher level, too. The higher-end taxpayer is exiting California largely because of that. I mean, when you think about that, especially with the SALT limitations gone, the state and local taxes, it basically adds on whatever that state income tax rate is on top of that higher federal rate. So when you're in a high-tax environment already, there's a lot of reasons to start looking to say, how do I minimize this? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, th and that's another big one, too, I think. And that's kind of why I wanted to start off the show with all the different moving tax pieces. Right. So a lot, all, a lot of people are talking about is just you may get a little bump on the federal marginal bracket. A big one that people are overlooking is what about that that Social Security tax donut hole? Right. So right now, as we current in our current environment, there's a cap on how much income you're going to pay Social Security taxes on. Right now, it's cutting off around 140, I think, 140,000. 142. There you go. Yeah. And then it's a donut, donut hole up to 400,000. But then once you hit that 400,000, sorry, the cap just came back off. No holds bar, anything above 400,000. We're paying Social Security taxes again. So, kind of like you're saying there, Tony, it could be, you could be compiling with federal, state, and then you could throw in an extra Social Security on top of there. And we're talking about a lot of taxes starting to rack up. 
Yeah, definitely. And again, I mean, take your opinion and and think of which side you're on mm-hmm. and, and why. And deep down, too, somebody's got to pay for some of this stuff. We might argue who who and how. That's certainly negotiable. But if we want to continue on and not go into a debt hole, we need to do something. And some of this attacks that. Mm-hmm. But when you see this, it may fill one bucket, but it's creating another. It's saying, well, what about the slowdown in growth that may happen? What about the slowdown in business that may happen? It's not really accounting for that. And that's the offset here that we have to be so cautious of because once the engine slows down, well, then these things become confiscatory. And that's the balance that has to be walked here to say, well, how do we pay for these things? And how do we make sure that we're not slowing the engine down? Yeah, absolutely. So we're coming up on another hard break. So when we come back, we'll pick up on a couple other items with the taxes and and try and get a little bit exciting with it more than we already are. So uh, feel free to stick around in the next segment. A lot of of good stuff still to talk about. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. Once again, I am your host, Spencer Hager. With me tonight, Tony Payne. Both of us are certified financial planners. Uh, and with us, Eli Lethalusa. He's also working towards getting the CFP. So uh, real quick, before I kind of jump into the meat of things, wanted to touch on, you know, we're talking about a lot of complex stuff tonight with the taxes. We can only get so granular with it. It's pretty complicated stuff. So if you do find yourself a little bit flustered with all the moving pieces, or maybe you just want to listen to a little bit more, Excuse me. You can always go to our website at managingtobewealthy.com. Scroll up to the top right. There's an archive section. We've got a long, long list of old podcasts and same deal, whatever you listen to, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. It's it's anywhere you can download a podcast. So feel free to go find more information or schedule a consultation meeting with us about an hour free of charge and we can go through as much tax planning or anything else that you like to. So, and then another quick piece I want to make sure we touched on. Uh, we do have an upcoming workshop. So that is upcoming the end of March here, actually. So it's going to be first session, March 24th, 6.30 p.m., small fee to join. It's $45 a household. And it's going to be a two-part series. We'll bring you back late April. It's Wednesday, April 21st. Uh, same deal, no charge for the second round, all-inclusive. And, and it's uh, meant to just be kind of a, a drive-through on financial planning and, and hopefully teach you a lot along the ways. But And when you say all-inclusive, not a steak dinner. Again, we're not <laughs> doing that. We're actually going to teach you a little something there. That's the point of this, to sit down, focus. It's virtual, so you can mm-hmm. cook your own steak, open a little bottle of wine, <laughs> enjoy the presentation. Absolutely. Eloquently said. So, but getting back into the tax pieces. So, we've touched on the history of taxes. We've touched on the current tax picture in 2021. We talked a little bit about how things can change in 2022, most likely. We'll see what happens. So, I really kind of want to go back to the mitigation strategies, but this time I want to do it with uh, thinking about mitigation for future taxes, how things are going to change, how we can start getting ahead of it. And I like to kind of maybe touch on some of the the high end ideas to to wrap things up. So, Tony, we were kind of talking off air and and some of the other more complex strategies, maybe things people haven't heard of. Uh, one being a 1031 exchange. 
Yeah, 1031, which is an IRS code. <laughs> Go ahead and throw that in the research box online. <laughs> but the idea is when you are an investor, you can exchange like-kind property. And when you exchange one investment for another, you're not paying taxes as if you sold it and then went ahead and bought something else, which, again, defies a lot of logic. Most things, when we go to buy it, we're going to pay taxes on what we sold to get it. But in this case, take a building, for instance. You may have owned a building for a very, very long time, and then eventually you decide, this isn't where I want my building to be. You may identify a replacement building. And there's a lot of steps involved in the middle there, but the idea is all that appreciation along the way in the first building, if you normally sold that, you'd be paying taxes. You'd be recouping a, a lot of taxes normally. But then if you do this exchange with all the documentation, all the right people involved, now you've bought your new property in that different place, no taxes involved at that point. Mm -hmm. It's a really neat maneuver for those involved in real estate. And funny enough, even those involved in art seems to defy logic a little bit. You know, this is designed to help promote, you know, business and investment and good capital. Mm -hmm. Art's one of these things that's considered there. So you have people literally exchanging art their whole lifetimes and then never paying the taxes, going up from one piece to another to another, where if we did that similarly with a portfolio, you'd probably be paying taxes along the way there. Mm -hmm. So it's a neat maneuver. Absolutely. Something that the more you know about, the more powerful it can be. And that's one of the items perhaps on the chopping block. So if you're someone who's considered this or you're thinking about, hey, this property I have, that may be what I want to do, this might be the time to act. Mm -hmm. And we see some of the proposals, and one of them is getting rid of the 1031 exchange. Absolutely. Again, it's a neat little code there. You have to understand it to appreciate it. Uh, but again, it's something that can be so powerful once you get that understanding. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, I'm going to bring you back to the business conversation again. It can tie into today as well. So think about it like this. You're a business owner. Unfortunately, you got to pay the self-employment taxes, right? So that's the Social Security and that's Medicare in there. So for example, if you're a sole proprietor, you're a one-man ship, maybe a husband and wife team, any income that comes in, you pay so uh, uh self-employment taxes on it, mm -hmm. right? Well, there's a lot more uh, a lot more business entities out there than just a sole proprietorship, right? There's that, there's a partnership, there's the S corporation, and then the C corporation, that's the Amazons, that's the one that probably everyone thinks of when you hear the term corporation. Now, a pretty cool strategy that you can at least talk about with your accountant, I'm not making a recommendation as the financial planner here. Good man. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you're a sole proprietorship and you make a switch in your business entity type to an S corporation. So an S corporation is what's called a pass-through entity, but the where it can help you out a little bit with the taxes, and we'll see how this translates into any new tax code. You pay yourself a salary in an S corporation, same deal. You're paying self-employment taxes on that. No big benefit there. But if, say, the business generates a profit above and beyond what you were paying yourself as a salary, maybe you pay that out as in the form of essentially a dividend, not paying self-employment taxes on that. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Again, we've got to follow the rules, make sure it's a fair and reasonable market rate of a salary Absolutely. we're taking. And there's some ins and outs, but what you're describing, again, is planning, mm -hmm. strategy, taking advantage of what's lawfully available to you. We love that stuff. Absolutely. 
So that's a big one. And, and to that point, usually this is just all things that have to be talked through with the accountant. But just talking about that, like I said, depends on what how much income's come through in the business. But when we'll see how it ties into 2022. But the sooner you can get ahead of this and start moving these pieces around, just the more efficient you're going to be. And the less concern you're going to be when you see more and more of these headlines keep popping up, right? Because they don't stop. So those are two big ones. Talking about switching up the business, we talked about the 1031 exchanges. I know there's a couple other big ones, but Tony, any anything that's jumping out to you? Well, let's go to the other side of it. Perhaps you don't own a business. You're a W-2 wage earner. Mm -hmm. You show up every day. You come home. What are some other ways to negotiate taxes there? I mean, one of them, and Spencer, you know I love to ask the question to people, what's your favorite tax? Think about it. But ask yourself, what's your favorite tax? If you can't come up with one, good. <laughs> but, <laughs> but if you come up with one and you think about it, you know, I ask myself that, it's probably the sin taxes. I mean, if there's one tax out there that's truly negotiable, it might be the tax on tobacco or alcohol or gambling or something like mm -hmm. that. You know, if you have a sin tax, that becomes a consumption tax where it's truly negotiable. You know, when I think about what's my favorite type of tax, that's the one that comes to my mind. Spencer, are there any that come to your mind? Yeah, I think I'm on the people you're talking to out there. I probably don't have a favorite tax. <laughs> I will Understood. See, you've got me thinking, though, that you're taking me back to the history again, back to was that under George Washington. They had the, the whiskey tax. That's what we had the whole whiskey rebellion over. Oh, yeah. 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 Far <laughs> yeah. over that and even further back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, no, that's, that's a good one. Eli, how about you? What's your favorite tax, my friend? I'm like Tony. I like the sin tax. Yeah. Right? personally don't drink much so you avoiding like paying my taxes when i can wise beyond your years piggybacking off of tony i should have done that <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> no but uh probably yeah probably that's a lot about the taxes probably can't get into too much more for this evening but i hope the listeners you got a lot out of it <clears throat> like i said I apologize if sometimes it feels like we're going way over your head but that's really what it is there's a lot of moving pieces ideally you have an accountant that's what People like us are here for financial planners to help bounce some of these ideas off of you. And uh, like I said at the beginning of the segment, if you want to hear more, please go look up more of our podcasts. There's plenty of more information out there. So appreciate everyone who came to listen, and I uh, hope you come back next time. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on 610 WTVN.